All right, we are Wagers Ragers, two friends, not just from the Garden State, but from the great state of New Jersey, and who also went to the greatest university in this country, Rutgers University, who love to talk betting and wagering on the NFL, and also are passionate about electronic dance music, whether it's house, tech, trance, or whatever. And so if you're new to the podcast, I'm your host, Joshua J.T. Buckner, and always with me is my compadre, John the Hedgehog Donath. John, how are we doing? The Hedgehog. Doing freaking great, man. I'm doing amazing right now. Big Rutgers win a week ago. The Philadelphia Eagles demolished, demolished the Detroit Lions in front of everybody, just like I said they would. All right, I didn't say that. The Eagles have me pretty down after the year that they've been having, but... But man, I was, it was a pleasure to watch um, that blowout against Detroit last week as an Eagles fan. I'm really not sure that it tells me anything about the team, but, uh, but I'll take it, man. And listen, we're recording the night, the day after the Jets-Colts game. But before we get there, I feel like you deserve to bask in the glory of the big emotional win that they had on Halloween o- o- over the Bengals. You, you got to take some solace out of that, right? Yeah, I mean, look, we're, we're in week nine of the NFL. This is like the, the first half of the halfway point because uh, we're in, there's 17 weeks this year and each team gets a bye week. So you're talking 18 weeks of the season. So there's, a, there's week nine and week 10, which both comprise the halfway point. But yeah, week eight, look, uh, I think, you know, last week, you were given the Lions the benefit of the doubt, um, and that didn't happen. The Eagles blew them out. And I thought the Jets were going to get blown out last week, but guess who stepped up and brought the Jets to a victory against another top AFC team, the Cincinnati Bengals? It was Mike Effin White. Mike Effin White, it's a whiteout. It's white sanity. It's white, white sanity. sanity. This is Walter White speaking. It's you know, whatever you want to call it. It's like Lynn Sanity when, when Jeremy Lynn was uh, going nuts for the New York Knicks. Uh, last night, Jets played the Colts. I had high hopes for the Jets. And look, first drive down the game, Mike White had some really good, good, good action, good passes down the field, looked good. They had to punt the ball away. And then the defense got on the field for the Jets and they just did not show up. Right down the field, Colts scored. Naheem Hines on a rush, and it was rush, rush, rush all day long in the Jets. But after that first touchdown, Mike White goes down the field. Beautiful pass for the rookie wide receiver's first touchdown. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, here we go. It's a game. And then Mike White gets hurt on that throw, hits his wrist and his forearm against the helmet. of One of the Colt defenders, he's out of the game. Josh Johnson came in. Played a, played a decent game, but that defense was just putrid for the Jets, and they got blown out. But, yes, that game against the Bengals, Mike effing White, 405 passing yards down the field, throwing touchdown passes. I mean, he looked like he could be. It's White, White Sanity. Sanity. Drew Bledsoe getting hit by Mo Lewis, and here comes Tom Brady. He's going to be our Tom Brady for years to come. I guess we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I was basking in the uh, – in, in the sun after that win against the Bengals. But unfortunately, in my picks last week, I thought the Bengals were going to blow the Jets out. That didn't happen. My props last week with the Jets, no good except for 
the Bengals tight end, whose name I did not pronounce correctly last week, and I probably won't do it again. Uzoma, I think I called him Uzama or whatever I called him last week. Double bang. Double bang. Double bang. I hit on two and a half receptions with him, but I did not hit Jamar Chase over 75 and a half receiving yards. I did not hit Joe Burrow over 261 and a half passing yards. Both of those did not hit. My second game, real quick, Titans-Colts. What a battle. Colts blew it. Titans won. They covered the spread. I was laying three points. I'm sorry. I was getting three points with the Titans. They covered, but my props, triple, triple bonk. Nothing on Derrick Henry over 119 and a half rushing and receiving yards. He got hurt. He's out for the season. And Mo Ali Cox, who was my man at the tight end, thought he was going to have a big day again. Did not hit on two and a half receptions. Did not hit on 21 and a half receiving yards. But I did cover, and I told you, the Titans were going to beat the Colts for the second time this season, and they did. Got it. Hit that one. John, how'd you do last week? Well, it's kind of a weird situation. This time around, you know, I, I, the, the Eagles just had not been playing that well. For, for most of the year, they really haven't, other than week one. And even though they were going into Detroit to play the winless Lions, Lions were getting three and a half at the time, I just thought the Lions were coming off a big win. I mean, excuse me, a loss to the Rams, but a game in which the Lions really showed a lot of heart, played the Rams, one of the best teams in the league, close for, for most of the game. You know, the Lions team just to me seemed like that they were showing a lot of heart. And the Eagles, I just had no belief in whatsoever. And I was wrong. The Eagles came in and against one of the worst rushing defenses in the league, a theme that we'll come back to later on, uh, they pounded the ball, something they haven't done at all. And it was just the weirdest, the weirdest game plan I've ever seen in my life. It was the right one, but the Eagles with their number one running back in tow, Miles Sanders throughout the year, barely gave him the ball. Miles Sanders gets hurt and all the Eagles do is run the ball. And Boston Scott was the lead back to the surprise of almost everyone. Kenneth Gainwell had been the obvious number two running back all season long to Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders gets hurt, and then Kenny Gainwell barely plays at all, barely plays. Didn't touch the ball in the first quarter, had a, a trick play in the second quarter, and really didn't play again until the game was well in hand, and in mop-up time, he got a couple of carries. Absolutely bizarre. So I said, as a depressed Eagles fan, that you know the bet was just take the Detroit and the three-and-a-half, and that Detroit might win the game outright. Obviously, that wasn't even close. Eagles run away with it, 44-6. to six. Frankly, it wasn't even that close. Um, but this is one of those situations where I got my call wrong, but um, I'm selfishly happy to because, you know, I'm happy to get an Eagles win. As far as the props go, the game just didn't go how I don't think myself or anyone else saw it going. So some of the props, you know, went down, you know, as a result. One of those examples was I loved DeAndre Swift at 99 and a half combined yards. He had had 144 the week before that. Jamal Williams was out this game, so it seemed like it was DeAndre Swift giddy up. That's not what happened at all because the Lions couldn't hold on to the ball. The Eagles dominated time of possession, and DeAndre Swift didn't even really play after the first three quarters. So he didn't even come close to that. I also liked uh, Kenny Gainwell over three and a half catches. I already mentioned that he barely played for whatever reason, so that didn't hit. Jalen Hurts rushing yards over 44 and a half. He did hit that. Um, he got 71 rushing yards for the game. I also liked his over on attempts at eight and a half. 
he stopped at seven, but again, he barely played in the, in the fourth quarter. So that's why he didn't hit that. So big Eagles win, hit one prop, but you know, we'll get back on the horse this week. My second game. Yeah, I got this one wrong too. It was the Patriots at the Chargers last week. Chargers given four or four and a half on DraftKings and FanDuel. The Patriots were coming off a massive, you know, demolishing of the Jets the week before. But I expected the Pats to come in uh, at the Chargers in Los Angeles and the Chargers to sort of get off the schneid here and return to their early season glory. That didn't happen at all. Patriots end up winning the game outright. So that call was wrong. The, the one prop I did hit on that game was Damian Harris, the Los Angeles Chargers, again, with the worst rushing uh, defense in the league. Again, something we'll come back to in a little bit. I loved Damian Harris at over 71 and a half rushing yards, and I did hit that one. So uh, last week, some fun because the Eagles finally came away with a big blowout win. That was great to see. Uh, hit a couple of props, but not enough. We're going to rectify that this week yeah so i i made up i made up some ground on the um vikings cowboys game where i i bet a bunch of props including the game i really thought the vikings were gonna um we're gonna win this game you know a touchdown or more and they ended up losing to the cowboys and the, and the cowboys backup quarterback but i did take a bunch of props that hit with ezekiel elliott over rushing and receiving adam Thielen receiving yards Greg Joseph field goals, Greg Zerline field goals. I went with the two Gregs at the, the Cowboys Minnesota game. And also in the Monday night game, I took the giants getting 10 and a half points. So after my, after licking my wounds in the jets and the Titans uh, Colts games with my props, I ended up actually doing uh, getting up ahead with um, the, the Minnesota Cowboys game and the, Giants Chiefs game on props just to throw out there real quick because I am the college football savant and my nuggets last week were four for four Michigan State getting four points they outright won the game against Michigan Georgia at Florida laying 14 points Georgia laid the wood on Florida covered that Penn State getting 19 and a half points Covered that against Ohio State. They almost won the game. And Notre Dame laying three and a half points. Covered that. I threw three other college football games out last week. Did not put them on the pod, but bet them. I had Wake Forest laying 16 against Duke. Hit that one. Minnesota laying seven against Northwestern. Hit that one. The only one I didn't hit was Old Miss, who coming off a really good game the week before. We're getting three points at Auburn. I thought they were going to pull out a win. They didn't. They ended up losing 31 to 20, but... You know what? When you go six for seven, that's a really good percentage in, in the world of wagering. So listen, we are on to week nine. Week nine. I can't believe it's the ninth week of the NFL. My Jets, of course, as I talked about earlier, they played already. They played yesterday and their defense played poorly. So I have two games for you this week. My first game is a barn burner. Falcons at Saints. The Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints. Right now, the line is the Falcons getting six points. Over-under is 41 and a half. Falcons come in at three and four. Saints at five and two. But we have a really interesting storyline here because Jameis Winston last week was lost for the season with a torn ACL. Trevor Simeon came in. He played valiantly. Had a, a pretty, you know, manageable game. I wouldn't call it a great game. His stats 
weren't phenomenal, 16 for 29 with a touchdown pass, but he did lead them on five scoring drives against Tampa Bay, and then the Saints pulled out the win against the Buccaneers to bring their record to 5-2. and two. Those five scoring drives comprised of two touchdowns and three field goals. So right now, at the quarterback position, we have Trevor Simeon, and we have Taysom Hill, who's coming off of a uh, coming out of concussion protocol from a concussion he suffered in week five. Um, also, the Saints have lost Michael Thomas, who they thought they were going to get back at wide receiver, but he could just not recover from an ankle injury, and he's done for the season as well. Uh, you know, the interesting thing about that Tampa Bay Saints game is that Tampa Bay actually outgained New Orleans in the game yardage-wise, but New Orleans just uh, pulled out the game and the victory. And, you know, I look at this game and really the way that this game was lost is because Tom Brady threw two interceptions, which he usually doesn't do, but his timely, his, or I should say untimely interception that he threw with a minute, 24 seconds left, really sealed the deal for the Saints and they pulled out the win. Look, the Saints are going to have to rely heavily on Alvin Kamara this week, not only in the running game, but in the passing game, uh, especially with no Michael Thomas coming back. Um, and they don't have Jameis Winston at quarterback. So Alvin Kamara is really going to help out, have to help out on both aspects of this game. So let's look at some stats. And I know last season, I always pulled out that how do these teams do on offense and defense team-wise? So we look at the Saints. Saints are a solid defensive team. Number one against the rush. Number two, points allowed. They're middle of the road in passing, but they're number four in total yards given up on defense. Falcons, you know, they're sort of like middle of the road defensively. Um, but neither one of these teams is really lights out on offense. They're not lighting the world on fire. Um, you know, defensively, you know, Falcons are middle of the road, but they are number nine in yards allowed and number seven in, in passing defense. So they're still a pretty decent uh, defensive team. I really see this game as a low scoring game. Where do I think this game is going to turn? The Falcons still have Matt Ryan at quarterback. He's a very serviceable, he's, he's a phenomenal quarterback in his heyday, and he's still a, a pretty decent quarterback. Losing Calvin Ridley to personal reasons to get his mental health in check, which is really important, um, is a big loss for the Falcons. So who's going to have to step up? Well, Cordell Patterson, Corderell Patterson, and the rookie Kyle Pitts, their number one tight end, who has really come on lately, except for last week, he had a kind of an off game against the Carolina Panthers. They're going to have to step up for the Falcons. You know, with the fact that Jameis Winston is out and they're going to have to rely on Trevor Simeon, this is going to be a defensive battle, a low-scoring game, with the Falcons getting six points, playing at New Orleans inside where the Falcons play inside. I'm going to take the Falcons this week. I'm going to take the Falcons. I'm going to take those six points. And I think this is going to be one of those games where it's going to be, you know, kind of like the Falcons – Panthers game was last week, 19-13, but I see this game more like 17-14, 19-16, 16-14, something like that, where the Falcons are going to keep it tight and, uh, and, the, and I'll take those six points and roll with the Falcons. A couple of quick props. Mark Ingram is back with the Saints. He was back last week, didn't really play, um, but I think he's going to have a bigger role this week on the Saints 
Right now, his rushing total is 28 and a half, minus 115 on DraftKings. I think he's going to have a bigger role this week. I'm taking the over for Mark Ingram, over 28 and a half rushing yards. And again, as I, as I highlighted before, Matt Ryan, he's still Matt Ryan. He might not be the same Matt Ryan, but given the fact that the Saints are number one against rushing, uh, the number one rushing defense, uh, number two in points allowed, but middle of the road in passing, I'm going to take Matt Ryan over 255 and a half passing yards and Corderell Patterson over 33 and a half receiving yards, both minus 115 on DraftKings. I think Patterson is going to have, have to have a good game for the Falcons. I was looking at his rushing and receiving total, but I think he's going to be more effective this week in the, in the past game. So I'm going to take his over uh, reception, uh, receiving yards over 33 and a half. And those are my props for the Falcons saints game. John, do you have any thoughts on this game? I know it's a real, as I said before, barn burner. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really interesting game to pick because I feel like there's a lot of question marks here, right? You know, the, the Saints, you know, how are they going to play this game? You know, Taysom Hill looks like he's going to play, but Trevor Simeon's going to be the starter. So how much does, does Hill actually play at quarterback? Can he make it the whole game? Um, on the other side of the ball, the Falcons have just been they haven't been a great team, but they've been really, you know, up and down as far as the, the year goes. Um, it's tough to, it's tough to really get a read on. Here, here's a couple that, uh, a couple of props that I was looking at. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Number one, Kyle Pitts, you know, ever since I saw his highlight reel from Florida, I've been obsessed with Kyle Pitts. I have him everywhere in fantasy dynasty leagues, etc. Um, you know, uh, Calvin Ridley, of course, is out again, you know, uh, on leave from the Falcons while he sort of, you know, gets his life in order. So you put that, you know, that's very serious. We put that aside here when we talk about football. Um, but with no Calvin Ridley last week, Kyle Pitts did nothing, did absolutely nothing. And so it's really hard to figure. But I, I think with Calvin Ridley out, with an extra week to prepare, I do think the Falcons will be looking more for Kyle Pitts, who had really break, broken out in the past few weeks before that. His prop for receptions on DraftKings is four and a half catches. Uh, he's averaging about 4.7 catches on the year. That's including, you know, last week's game when nothing really happened. And the first few weeks of the year when he was still really getting his feet wet. Um, the Saints only give up about four and a half catches a game to tight ends, which I don't love because the Falcons have shown a predilection to go to not only Kyle Pitts, but also Hayden Hurst and, you know, nine other random tight ends that they like to use from time to time. But I just have sort of a feeling about this, that after, you know, the Kyle Pitts disappearance game last week, that they're going to feed him a little bit more this week. The other one I was looking at, Cordero Patterson, you mentioned that you had looked at his rushing yards, but didn't go for it. 32 and a half is very tempting. You know, this offense really is oddly enough, focused around Cordell Patterson. He's averaging 38.3 rushing yards a game. On the other side, the Saints rushing defense has been really good. They've got the number two rushing defense overall as far as giving up rushing yards per game. Um, but I just have a little bit, I have a little bit of a hunch about both of these. And I think this is a Kyle Pitts game. I think he gets over four and a half catches. So I will take that. And, you know, I've just watched too much of Cordell Patterson being featured in this offense. Again, I think both Patterson and Pitts 
um, with a week to prepare for Arthur Smith, end up picking up some of the slack left by Calvin Ridley. So I like both of those props as well. Kyle Pitts over four and a half catches and Patterson over 32 and a half rushing yards. Yeah, see, I mean, I looked at both of these and the Saints, they're actually not number two, they're actually number one rushing defense. And, you know, Patterson is not a natural running back. And that's why I think he's going to be more effective in the passing game. And even though the, the rushing prop is low, I have to give credit to the Saints rushing defense here. And with a non-traditional running back, it's really tough for me to um, wager on over rushing yards for Patterson. So that's probably a prop I would stay away from. And I looked at Kyle Pitts. He's actually the top receiver right now in the Falcons, both in receptions and yardage. But the Falcons do sort of spread the wealth amongst a bunch of other tight ends on their team. And I'm concerned that without Calvin Ridley in the game that Kyle Pitts had last week, four and a half receptions, although it doesn't seem like a lot as a game goes on and the time ticks down and the quarters go by. And if they're spreading the wealth uh, amongst other tight ends, because the saints are focusing on Kyle Pitts, given the fact that he is in fact, their number one receiver with no Kyle, uh, Calvin Ridley. I'm a little hesitant on the, on the, on the pits props. I looked at both his receptions and yardage and I didn't really get that warm and fuzzy feeling on either one. So that's why I probably stay away from either one of them. Although I don't think that they're, they're um, bad bets. I just, I'm not leaning towards taking either one of them. So John, talk to me about the Eagles. Yeah, E-A-G-L-E-S, baby. Eagles coming back home after the huge win at Detroit to face the Los Angeles Chargers who have continued to reel. They, you know, lost again against the Patriots last week coming into Philly. Chargers still favored. Uh, Eagles opened up at about three-point underdogs. It's kind of like waffled between one and one and a half since then. You can get it at plus two for the Eagles and DraftKings right now, minus 110. Over on FanDuel, Eagles are only getting one and a half at home. And I got to be honest with you, looking at this game right away, I figured, you know what, I'm just going to keep going the same way. I could easily see this being, you know, a Chargers bounce back game. The Eagles have the one big win over the Lions and then come back home to show their true colors. But I don't, I don't know. Save me, JT, save me, because I think I'm going to go the other way here. And I'm going to take the Eagles and take the points. And I'm trying not to be too influenced by this Lions win. But here's where I'm going with this. Don't do it. Don't do it. Could the Eagles be dumb enough? Could they be dumb enough to not to continue to run the ball like they did last week when they're playing the Chargers this week? And as bad as the Lions are against the run, the Chargers are worse. The Chargers have, are dead last in rushing defense. I'll say it again. The Chargers are dead last in rushing defense on the year. So after the Eagles had so much success running the ball last week against the Lions, how could they not come back and do the same thing this week against the Chargers at home? Here's where it could go wrong. The difference here is that Jonathan Gannon for the Eagles throughout this year has shown that his defensive philosophy is to rely on that, you know, the cover to the defensive shell, play back, don't be aggressive, don't blitz a lot and try to stop the big play. The problem is that hasn't friggin' worked all year. 
Against the Lions, they switched it up. They switched it up and they blitzed a lot more, put pressure on Jared Goff. Um, but I don't know if they'll do that again this week. And, and here's why I say that. Because the Lions don't go deep at all. Jared Goff doesn't go deep. The Lions don't go deep. So the Eagles could blitz last week without really worrying about whether or not they were going to get beat over the top. The difference is the Chargers obviously can and do go deep. Justin Herbert can push the ball deep. He's got the horses like Mike Williams that can get down the field. My concern is that while the Eagles got aggressive on defense last week, that they might be afraid to do so this week, and they might play back, play that cover two shell to try to stop the big play. And the problem there is that the Chargers have the players to beat them there. You know, if you play back and give the Chargers the middle of the field, Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler could pretty much eat them alive, okay? That's why I think it's even more important for the Eagles to run the ball this week and keep the Chargers offense off the field. So that does trouble me somewhat, but I, I, I don't know. If Nick Sirianni doesn't run the ball this week, at least reminiscent of what he did last week, I don't even know what he's doing. Another thing in the, in the Eagles favor though, that even if when the Eagles do get pushed to pass this week, the chargers are going to be without their top two cornerbacks, Asante Samuel jr. The rookie from Florida state who I wanted the Eagles to draft, but they didn't. And Michael Davis, they're both out this week. So the chargers defense is going to be at a huge disadvantage. So even if the chargers can put points on the board and I expect they will, because of what I said before, you know, whether it's going deep to Mike Williams or intermediate routes to, to Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler, I do expect the Chargers to put points on the board. But I think their defense is bad enough where the Eagles will also be able to put points on the board. And Lord help me, I'm taking the Eagles and I'm taking the two points. I'm going to say the Eagles are going to win two in a row. They're going to come back home, pick up a win against the Chargers. Moving over to some props right now. I love Boston Scott. It's clear to me from watching the Eagles that after Miles Sanders went down with injury, that the guy that they're considering their starter now is not Kenny Gainwell, that it is Boston Scott. It's almost like Nick Sirianni looked at the tape from last year from Doug Peterson and said, okay, when Sanders is out, who's our number one back? It's Boston Scott. That's how they treated him. He had 12 carries last week for 60 yards. His prop this week on DraftKings is only, excuse me, on DraftKings, it's 44 and a half. On FanDuel, his rushing prop, Boston Scott's rushing prop, is 43 and a half rushing yards at minus 114. So I love Boston Scott to go over 43 and a half against the worst rushing defense in the league. Again, one more time, the worst rushing defense in the league. That's what I'm hanging my hat on. Uh, last prop I've got this week, I'm going to go back to the Chargers side of the ball, and I'm going to take Keenan Allen over five and a half catches at minus 150. Not great juice, but I'd love the number five and a half. Keenan Allen so far is averaging almost six and a half catches a game, and he's getting almost 10 targets a game. So just like I was saying before, if the Eagles do switch back to playing that shell that they've played all year, giving Keenan Allen the room to run underneath, and I expect that to happen, I expect Keenan Allen to have a big day. So I think Keenan Allen's going to get over five and a half catches. I think he's going to beat this prop. So I'll take that 50 burger on that. <laughs> this is a tasty burger. I'll take Boston Scott over 43 and a half rushing yards, 50 burger on that. <laughs> this is a tasty burger. And then going against what my initial gut was, I'm taking the Eagles 
plus two. Damn the torpedoes, two in a row. Tell me you're with me. You know, you almost talked me into it. You almost talked me into it. What you did talk me into was not taking this game because the way the Eagles played last week against the Lions and the way the Chargers played last week against the Patriots, I have no idea what's going to happen in this game right now. Is Justin Herbert going to come out and throw for 375 yards and four touchdowns, or is he going to lay an egg? Are the Eagles going to come in there and run, 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 and control the clock and keep the Chargers off the field? I have no idea. What I do know is I'm staying away from this game, and I do wish you the best of luck, my friend, with the Eagles. I love the Boston Scott rushing prop, though. Over 44 and a half yards, I am with you on that. Keenan Allen, you know, again, I don't know what's going to happen in this game. All I do know is what you said before is that the Chargers have the worst rushing defense, so I love the Boston Scott. Over 44 and a half rushing yards in this game. On to game number two sort of a connector game I would call it we go Eagles Chargers Chargers played the Patriots last week and I'm going with the Patriots this week against the Carolina Panthers the Patriots are at Carolina the line right now is the Patriots laying three and a half points on the road against Carolina under over is 41 two four and four teams playing against each other this week looking to get and climb over that 500 mark Last week, the Patriots coming off a very impressive win at the Chargers, 27-24, going across the country and playing on the West Coast and pulling out a victory. After some very subpar performances, I mean, the only teams that the Patriots have beat were the Jets twice, and I think it was the Dolphins or the, or the I'm sorry, the Texans. So not very impressive wins before, but this was an impressive win against the Chargers. Again, I'm not really quite sure who the Chargers are. But going across the country to the West Coast and beating the Chargers on their home turf, very impressive by the Patriots. The Panthers, who are they? Last week, they beat the Falcons 19-13. to Very ho-hum, uninteresting, very um, boring game. Extremely unimpressive. They won 19-13 against the Falcons. So I'm not terribly impressed with the Panthers either. They, won, they, they started 3-0. They beat the Jets, they won their next two games, and then they went on a four-game losing streak. And then in week seven, Sam Darnold got benched for P.J. Walker uh, in the second half of the week seven game. Came back last week. Really, I mean, not a terribly good performance. Sam Darnold in the last five weeks has looked like the Sam Darnold who played for the Jets. So... Um, just terribly unimpressive. Who's impressed me, though, quietly, is Mac Jones for the Patriots. He leads all rookie quarterbacks in a number of different statistics. Number one in completions, 192. Completion percentage, 68.1% of his passes. Passing yards, 1,997 pass yards in their eight games this season, which is an average of almost 240 yards per game. Touchdown passes by rookie quarterbacks, nine, and passer rating, 90.1. So quietly, Mac Jones, um, who did not get picked ahead of Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson, you know, the number one and number two picks, 
Mac Jones out of Alabama is quietly having a good season for the Patriots. Now, another thing to look at, and it's really important, is that Sam Donald right now is in concussion protocol. I don't think he's going to play in this game if he doesn't come out. And right now, P.J. Walker, P.J. Walker, an X, an X, E-X, XFL quarterback is the starter who replaced Sam Donald in that week seven game. Uh, he's preparing to start this game against the Patriots. The only familiarity he has with Matt Rule, the, the coach of the Panthers, is that he played at Temple when Matt Rule was the coach of the Temple Owls. Um, but do I have a lot of faith that P.J. Walker is going to be the answer at quarterback for the Panthers this week against the Patriots and Bill Belichick? I do not. Ye of little faith. Ye. Yes. No faith in P.J. Walker. Now, Christian McCaffrey is coming off of IR after that hamstring injury. This is his first game that he's eligible to play. But do I think he's going to be the difference maker for the Panthers to actually pull out a victory against the, the Patriots? I do not. Do I think that he's going to be the difference maker to cover that three and a half point spread? I do not. I'm taking the Patriots. I'm going to lay the three and a half points real quick stats because I love stats, not terribly impressive stats from either team offensively. Both teams are pretty much middle of the pack when it comes to, um, yardage and passing and rushing and points it's really only when you look at the defense that the Panthers actually have a very good defense they're number three in yards allowed and number four against the pass uh, against uh, the pass game and they're actually number three in points allowed but with PJ Walker at quarterback I just can't see uh, I just can't see the Panthers keeping this game close and I, I it seems like to me and it feels like to me a Patriots game win by seven to 10 points in this game and cover that three and a half point line. Now I recognize that the Panthers are number four team in passing, but I love the, I love the way that Mac Jones is playing this week. I mean, this, I'm sorry, this season. So I'm going to take Mac Jones as a prop over 233 and a half passing yards uh, minus 115 on DraftKings, And that's really the only prop that I like in this game uh, right now. And there's not a lot of props out there on this evening. So I'll have to see how things kind of flesh themselves out tomorrow into Sunday. But right now that's the prop that I like in this game is Mac Jones over 233 and a half passing yards. And again, I'm taking the Patriots to cover that three and a half point spread. Johnny, any thoughts on the Pats Panthers game? No, no thoughts. Wait, just kidding. I'm lying to you. Like I was Aaron Rodgers. I got a couple of quick thoughts. The main one is, I saw a prop that I absolutely fell in love with and it's going back to my classic favorite prop quarterback rushing quarterback rushing yards three and a half that's three and a half three and a half Jones earn of the Mac three and a half yards yes you got it on DraftKings three and a half yards I could get three and a half yards and check this out Mac Jones his rushing yards last week 10. The week before that, 19. The week before that, we won't talk about that. But he had 19 and 10 in the last two weeks. Three and a half is such a small number. And this guy's been taken off last three weeks. Two attempts, three attempts, four attempts. All I need is one. One little scramble, get me that three and a half. I'm going to put a 50 burger on Mac Jones, return to the Mac, over three and a half yards. 
you know, I looked at that prop and I saw it and it had like Christmas lights all over it. Three and a half rushing yards. Thinking to myself, three and a half rushing yards. I mean, God, my, my 11 and 10 year old girls can rush for three and a half rushing yards in the NFL. But you know what? Mac Jones is pretty much a statue back there. Kind of like Tom Brady, who played for Bill Belichick for 20 years. And the only thing he did rushing wise was those half yard quarterback sneaks for first down. So it's tempting. It's really tempting. Under five yards rushing is really tempting. I'm going to think about it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not offended by it. I'm actually um, putting it in my back pocket for consideration for Sunday. Um, But I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that I think that that's going to hit. So I'm going to stick with my Mac Jones prop. And uh, we'll see what happens. I might change my mind on Sunday. John, second game, who do you got? I've got the Battle of Ohio. And no, I'm not talking about the presidential election every four years. I'm talking about the Cleveland Browns going to Cincinnati to play the Cincinnati Bengal Tigers, the four and four Cleveland Browns, the five and three Cincinnati Bengals. both teams coming off losses last week in curious fashion. Cleveland Browns lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers in a 15 to 10 bizarre game in, in which the Pittsburgh Steelers played basically without a kicker the whole game. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals, on the other hand, uh, lost to the New York Jets, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets on Halloween in a game I am sure they never expected to lose. Um, so, in this game, what do we got? We got Cleveland getting two and a half at minus 114 on DraftKings. And you've got a Cleveland Browns team that is in sort of a, a weird spot here. They, their starting quarterback, uh, Baker Mayfield, is playing with like a torn labrum. He's obviously playing hurt. He's not up to his own standards, and even that's spotty at best, even when he's not hurt. They just released Odell Beckham who was their big acquisition a couple of years ago from the giants. And, you know, it's just a, just a bizarre situation right now. Uh, Beckham was coming back from a torn ACL. Um, Looked like he got hurt a couple of times during the year and came back and played anyway. Apparently he requested a trade multiple times. And then there was this bizarre situation a week ago when purportedly his father edited this video that showed how open that Beckham was all the time and that, you know, Baker, uh, and to a lesser extent, Case Keenan was just missing him. I don't know, there were some rumors that that really wasn't Beckham's dad, that that was Beckham. At a minimum, Beckham was aware of it and obviously had an issue there. So they told Beckham to stay home uh, and just released him today. So the, the, the Browns are definitely in a weird spot. The Bengals, on the other hand, um, they had the, the bad loss to the Jets a week ago, but I don't even really hold that against them. Uh, They lost 34 to 31. They still scored a lot of points. They've scored over 31 points their last three weeks in a row. And I think they just got caught sleeping against the Jets that they probably look past the Jets to the Browns game who are a real division rival. Uh, And and the Jets came into the game, you know, pumped up. And, you know, sometimes that's the games just break that way. I I did watch part of that game. uh, and, And frankly, I saw the, you know, the Bengals had a first and goal inside the, 
the, the six, I believe, against the Jets and just had some bad play calling. Did you know went for it on fourth down, didn't end up scoring at all. So what I'm trying to say is I'm really not holding that Jets game against Cincinnati. If anything, I'm expecting Cincinnati to sort of take that as a, as a wake up call. Uh, overall, looking at some trends here, the Bengals are 11 and two against the spread in their last 13 head to head against the Browns. They're also 4-0 against the spread after a loss. What does that tell me? That tells me that Zach Taylor gets his team ready to play after they've had a bad week. And I think that's what's going to happen uh, in this game right here. I also, you know, these are two teams that are tough to, to figure out, right? You know, Cincinnati has played well overall, but coming off a bad win against a bad Jets team. And then, uh, you know, Cleveland, after making the playoffs with a great year last year, they're four and four this year, playing with some injuries. I look at point differential. You know, what are they doing against all of the teams that they've played so far? Cincinnati, number six overall in point differential at point at plus 7.2. Meanwhile, Cleveland is down there at number 19 overall. You know, that just further bolsters my opinion that, you know, Cincinnati really is the better team right here. So that's the way I'm going to go. I'm expecting the Cincinnati Bengals to bounce back big time after the bad loss at New York to come in and beat the Cleveland Browns, who should be reeling a little bit here. Um, they lose Beckham, uh, Baker Mayfield uh, playing with a torn labrum and uh, no, no Kareem Hunt either. So I, I like the Bengals to come in and, and really, you know, run away with this game. I think they'll cover the two and a half easily. I like the Bengals to win outright and more than cover the two and a half. A couple of props here. One that I liked that I thought was kind of interesting, Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs in football. But one thing he's not really known for is catching passes. However, he's averaging almost 7.2 reception yards a game. Not great, but if you look at his receiving prop, six and a half receiving yards, six and a half receiving yards, that's less than his average overall. And when you add in the factor that there's no Kareem Hunt for him to deal with as far as competing for catches, even when you factor in, you know, Dearness Johnson and the other backs that, that Cleveland has, I feel like Nick Chubb could take one screen one screen uh, and easily hit this prop. It's minus 114 on FanDuel, minus 120 on DraftKings, taken on FanDuel. I take a look at what the Jets did to beat the Bengals. What did the Jets do? They threw about 45 screen passes to Michael Carter and Ty Johnson. So I expect the Browns to look at that, throw more to their backs. Baker Mayfield has a hurt shoulder anyway, so don't make him stand out there for too long trying to go deep. Let him hit the backs in the flat. I think that's what's going to happen. I think Chubb easily hits this six and a half receiving yards prop. A couple more that I like here, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase. Not only does he have perhaps the greatest last name of all time, Chase, he's averaging 98.25 receiving yards a game. 98.25 receiving yards a game. And if you want to throw out last week against the Jets, which I just consider to be a bizarre game, an outlier, if you throw that one out, the rookie is averaging 107.7 receiving yards a game. That's crazy, especially when you consider that his receiving prop, 72 and a half. 72 and a half receiving yards at minus 115. Give me that all day. I told you I expected the Bengals to have a bounce back game. I think Jamar Chase is a 
big part of that. So give me the over on 72 and a half receiving yards. One more, playing a little bit of a hunch. CJ Ozoma, or whatever his name is, receiving yards props. Uh, his receiving yards props, excuse me, 26 and a half receiving yards. The Cleveland Browns giving up 38 and a half receiving yards to tight ends overall. So I like Uzoma to hit the 26 and a half. I love Chase to hit the 72 and a half receiving yards. And Nick Chubb, maybe you won't expect this one, but over six and a half receiving yards and the Bengals to win and cover two and a half. JT, tell me why I'm wrong or tell me why I'm right. You are absolutely correct, my friend. Absolutely correct. And actually, right now, I checked on DraftKings. It's Cincinnati laying only two points right now, not two and a half, laying two, minus 105 on DraftKings. I love the Bengals in this game. You know, here's, what I, here's, here's how I look at this game. I look at it from two different perspectives. One, when you play the Jets and you lose, the next week, you win big. Tennessee Titans lost to the Jets. Next week, they destroyed the team they played. I think it was either Buffalo or Kansas City. I mean, the Bengals are going to just light up the Browns. But this is, a, like, this is a watershed game for both teams. The Bengals are 5-3. and three, The Browns are 4-4. Four and four. If you lose this game, you are jeopardizing your chance to make the playoffs. And so both teams need to win this game. But the Browns are coming off a terrible – like a terrible loss to the Steelers last week where they just looked absolutely listless. The Bengals actually played well on offense. It wasn't like they got blown out by the Jets. They, they probably should have won that game, but for the heroics of Mike F and white at the end of that game for the Jets. Late sanity, baby. What's it? What's and, and, and so I love the Bengals in this game. Lay the two. I mean, lay three, lay three and a half. With the Bengals, I'll lay those two points against the Browns this week because with this whole OJ, OJ, uh, oh, whatever his name is, Odell Beckham Jr., OBJ, um, drama that's going on in Cleveland. No, hold up, hold up. So, is that the problem with, with Beckham? Is that his gloves just didn't fit? Yeah, his the gloves exactly. just fit. The, OJ, the OJB, o, OBJ, uh, the drama that's going there in Cleveland. I mean, Listen, I don't trust Baker Mayfield. I don't think he's that great of a quarterback. Honestly, I think he, he's probably he's he's probably neck and neck with Sam Darnold as far as uh, that that draft class as being effective as a quarterback. So I don't trust him. But Joe Burrow, boy, he had a great year last year before he got hurt. He's having a great season this year. The thing I do love, and I'm glad that you put it in, is Jamar Chase. I mean, this kid is just amazing. I took him last week against the Jets. I thought he was going to light up that secondary. Unfortunately, I did not hit the prop, but I'm on the bandwagon. You know, over 95-plus yards per game receiving, and if you take the Jet game out, over 100 yards receiving, I'll take that 72-and-a-half on DraftKings every day of the week, and I'm going to double down. Jamar Chase, over five-and-a-half receptions. Great odds. Getting juice. Plus 115 on DraftKings. I'm taking Jamar Chase all day long against the Cleveland Browns this week. Cincinnati is going to roll the Browns. Love the Bengals this week. Can't imagine how many times I've said I love the Bengals, but here we go. Love the Bengals this week against the Browns. All right, John, any last thoughts on the Bengals-Browns game? Yeah, no, we're on lockstep on this one, man. I, 
this is a Bengals win all the way to me. Love Jamar Chase. Uh, love CJ Uzama. Love Nick Chubb on the receiving, but again, it's only six and a half. So, yeah, I, I'm expecting a big Bengals win as well. What say you on the next stage of our pod, Savant? All right. So, in the earlier days of this podcast, the next phase of the podcast would be our tracks of the week. But as we've added a new wrinkle, it is the Savant's College Football Nuggets. And I'm going to give you this week only a Big Ten Nugget times three. There are three games that I stood at, that stood out to me when I looked at the lines this week, and they were all Big Ten games. Maybe it's because, you know, we're Rutgers Scarlet Knight fans, and they play in the Big Ten, and I'm familiar with all these teams, and you see them play week in and week out. I don't know, but... I looked at the other games and I just, nothing really stood out to me except for these three games. Ohio State at Nebraska. Scott Frost has just not been the answer, even though he was the former quarterback for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Ohio State coming off a close game against Penn State last week. They're laying 14 and a half at Nebraska. I'm going to take Ohio State. I'm going to lay the 14 and a half points. I see a blowout all day long, especially especially given the fact that Ohio State got picked number five in the first college football playoff poll. They need to have an impressive win to convince the pollsters that they need to be in the top four to get into that playoff. So I'm going to take Ohio State. I'm going to lay the 14 and a half. Game two, Michigan State at Purdue. I know Purdue beat Iowa. I'm not terribly impressed with Purdue, but I am impressed with Michigan State and the way that they came back and beat Michigan last week. Michigan State is laying three points. That's it. Three points at Purdue. I love Michigan State in this game. Lay the three. Michigan State to win big at Purdue. And lastly, Penn State coming off an impressive loss to Ohio State. But they're at Maryland, who does not impress me at all. I know two is younger brother is the quarterback at Maryland. Big deal. Penn State is still Penn State. They're laying 10 points, lay the 10 points. Penn State at Maryland. I'm taking three road favorites in the Big Ten. Those are my college football nuggets. Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, three state universities, Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Cover those points. Those are my college football nuggets. John, any thoughts on the college football nuggets or take us? Two, phase three of the podcast. Level three, as we used to say many years ago. Level three. Um, you know, first of all, on the college football picks, man, again, they've been saving me. Last week was a banner week. And when I go back to DraftKings and I sort by, you know, one bets, it's all those college football picks, man. So it's follow time. You know, follow me, as they say. Follow you, actually. We're at level three of the podcast. We are electronic dance music aficionados passionate fans into our tracks of the week john lead us into level three i mentioned last week that i was all hyped up you know uh, people get older you know they go to see concerts you know what i mean of some of their favorite artists from back in the day you know people might go see the eagles or paul mccartney or whatever you know what i mean for me, when I do that, 
that's like Swedish house mafia. So I mentioned last week, I was all pumped up about my boys from Sweden, SHM, doing their reunion tour. And I'm still on that kick. So that's going to inform my track of the week this week. But instead of going old school SHM, I'm going new school SHM. They have a new single out right now with The Weeknd, pop star of The Weeknd called Moth to a Flame. And it's, it's I mean, it's a pretty good marriage of these two styles. It's a weekend sort of, you know, pop song, but you can definitely hear SHM in the undertones of the song. And it's a cool song. And I think it's apropos of this time where SHM is on the way back. So that's why that's my track of the week, Swedish House Mafia and The Weekend, Moth to a Flame, The Cave Mix. I saw Swedish House Mafia in their farewell tour at the Barclays Center, and now they are back. Love the boys from Sweden. So I'm going with a theme of lift me up and beat me down. Because I was so hyped up about the Jets last week with Mike White, and then it just got the wind taken out of my sails and beat me up like somebody was punching me in the face in a UFC match. I'm going with a track from last year in 2020, Call Me Archie Bunker, and I can't get out of my, my genre of trance. I'm just in my, my lazy boy sitting there, but I still love my trance. I'm going with a track called Black and Blue by two of the heavyweights of the trance industry, Elon Bluestone and Andrew Bayer, Black and Blue. That's how I feel right now after that jet loss last week. And Mike White, Mike effing White getting hurt. It's white, white sanity, give me Black and Blue. Elon Bluestone, Andrew Bayer, that's my track of the week. Call me Archie Bunker with my love of trance. And I was like, was that a part of that show that I didn't catch? That Archie Bunker was a big trance fan? But I, I'm with you now. I caught up, I caught up. All right. So this concludes week nine. I can't believe it's week nine. Week nine already. But we will be with you next week for week 10, the second half of the halfway point of the greatest wagering EDM podcast in the country, Wagers Ragers. We are out. May your bets be sharp and your cashes be bountiful. See you next week, guys. Later. Later.